Hey guys, welcome to the Bandemic Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Bada. Tonight's artist is Nick Garcia. He's from the Coastal Bend, but now makes his living as a professional guitar player and artist in the Austin area. He's toured nationally with some bands, and he's almost done with his first album, Don't Start What You Can't Finish. Tonight on the pod, we discuss gear, influences, and just what it takes to be a professional musician in Austin, Texas. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Mr. Nick Garcia. What's up, man? Mr. Ibarra, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. What's, what, what flavor are you eating there? Tiger's blood and cream. Nice. That that seems yeah. like a, a, a good go-to that is, uh, you know... It works for everyone. Tiger's blood works for everyone, especially the people from the South. <laughs> I ate it. I ate it too quickly because I didn't want it to melt. It was just like over piled. Yeah. And uh, I still had to drive with it, but uh, I ate it too quickly and I felt the brain freeze coming on and I kept eating. And I don't know if, if a brain freeze on top of a brain freeze is an actual thing, but uh, it felt that way for a second. We'll find out. It may be. It may make for some good podcasting if uh, somebody's having a double brain freeze on a. <laughs> on I hope a podcast. not. <laughs> well, man. So we've been friends for a long time, long time. Probably fourteen years, fifteen years. I think we met in '02, maybe '01, right around that time. Man, that's 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 pushing twenty. Uh, yeah. Oh man. I can't, I can't math. I'm a musician. (laughs) So yeah, you're from Alice. I'm from Kingsville. We just kind of hooked up randomly somehow. I'm not really sure how, but, uh, I, I want to say it was on being on the same bill, uh, possibly in Kingsville. Okay. But you, you were, you had the band. I forget all the players, but I know Austin was, the other guitar player in the band yeah uh radio star oh radio star yes <laughs> and uh we might have played it like Call or something like that yes Call, the old flight line yeah it's been through a few different names but, but uh... well, one of those or you know what it might have even been corpus um there was some i can't remember the guy who had it but there was a guy that had a uh, like a production company called uh, Tribal Productions. Okay, okay, yeah, Or yeah, something yeah. like that. And, uh, I mean, I don't remember that he put on the shows, but I remember he did the uh, the sound. And, I mean, he, he seemed like a nice enough dude, but at this point all I could tell you was he was a darker Hispanic dude that had glasses, and that's a lot of people in South Texas, so <laughs> that doesn't help. Well, if you're listening, darker Hispanic dude with glasses, we appreciate you for bringing us together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I never got like, um, I don't think we've ever sat down and talked about how you got started with music. So I wanted sure. to kind of start there and see if like, you know, you came from a musical family or, you know, are you like me where nobody in the family plays music and, you know, uh, everybody's shocked. Exactly. Really? Like yeah. So my, my, my parents, if, if they did sing, it was in church and it was usually out of tune. (laughs) Um, but they, you know, nobody ever really played an instrument or anything. I think when, when I picked up guitar, my dad tried doing the same with me, but like, it was just so like we could do something, Yeah. but then like he could see I was interested and he lost interest really fast. Gotcha. Cause he just had other things. Yeah. So like, uh, but even before guitar, it was probably um, 
Uh, I'm going to say it was definitely second grade. Uh, there was a talent show. And, and uh, you know, if, if there's anything to, to be remembered about the early 90s, it's the fact that uh, MTV was still relatively a new concept. Yeah. And, like, as a kid, my, my biggest obsession... Uh, was to go to the the video store because that was still a relevant thing. Yeah. And uh, they had a, a video that I probably wore out, but it was the making of Thriller, the the actual music video. Yes, 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 yes. And, and so, like, as a, a second grader, I just, like, latched on to, like, all the moves and tried to learn the dances. Nice. And uh, then there was an instance where I, I saw one of those many, like, Michael Jackson making of movies or something. Yeah. And uh, I saw his his uh, debut of uh, Billie Jean, where he does the, moon, the moonwalk for the first time. Yeah. And uh, when I was in second grade, I learned the entire thing and did that for a talent show. That's amazing. Can you still do it? Oh, no, dude. No. <laughs> Just curious. Uh, uh, but I, I know there's a friend of mine for sure out there who's told me that she has a video of this. And and uh, like there was the glove and like the hat and like a little, you know, seven, eight-year-old kid grabbing his crotch <laughs> in front of an elementary school. How'd that go over? Pretty good? The crowd go uh, wild? The, well, the adults weren't happy. <laughs> that means the crowd went wild. That 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 means it worked. It was great. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean that's that's kind of I I want to say that was the start of it. And then as I got older, about eight or nine, uh, I think I saw La Bamba for the first time. Yeah. And when I saw that movie, like for a lot of kids, uh, Hispanic kids even like see, seeing some Hispanic dude, uh, Valenzuela playing playing guitar and and just the the uh the opening lick that uh oh what was her name carol i can't remember her last name she she was she was like a, a le- legendary bass player that pl- she played guitar oh yeah okay, okay. On, on that but she was known for being a bass player carol some carol was carol it, king i was about to say carol king yeah she, yeah, she has those videos yeah. on facebook and on youtube right where she yeah, and I, like for for the longest time, I, I mean, I didn't know about this till like maybe four or five years ago that that it was Carol King That's playing insane. any of that stuff. But like when when you hear that original recording, you're the bum 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 bum. Like the moment you hear it, it's like you, it's uh, as, as a kid, I just lost my mind with that. <laughs> and I think after seeing that movie, I was like, I don't know what that is, but I want to do whatever. Yeah, whatever it is he's doing. Nice. All uh, all uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he was doing, right? <laughs> An, another South Texas native, apparently. That's yeah, 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 definitely. I, I feel like with this podcast, that's what we're going for. We're trying to remind people that there is massive talent in South Texas, and and we're just trying to kind of get the backstory and be like, hey, yeah, this person's a real person, not just entertainment. You know what I mean? Right. So but, and and the I mean, of course, you know, for for you and me, this is like. 80s into the 90s and because there was less access to to like what we're doing now like you know this wasn't really a thing yeah (laughs) you know you uh if if you grew up in corpus or even if you didn't grow up in corpus 
if you liked fishing, there was plenty of that. Yeah. Uh, there, there was plenty of things to do in the water besides fishing. Uh, but then on the opposite end of that, you had football. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you had parties and uh, drinking and, and everything in between, but there really wasn't a whole lot to do. So I think, I really feel like because at least for me coming from, from a, a, at the time, Alice was like a town of like 20,000 people. Uh-huh. And there was just one high school, which I suppose there still is. Yep. Uh, <laughs> still you on. Know, that there, there really wasn't a whole lot to do. And I didn't necessarily party and I, I was kind of like socially inept. So, you know, I, I, I had my friends, but they were few and far between. And I just stayed home and, and played guitar. And I think that's, I feel like that's part of it where you, not isolation, but because there's so little to do, yeah. at least at that point in time, and there was so like little distraction, you could just focus on something. Yeah. And and I remember for my parents, it was like, well, as long as he's not out in the street, there was always that he's not out in the street, so it's okay. We yeah. know where he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if I couldn't build social skills, he's not out in the street. <laughs> well, we were talking about that uh, with our first um, guest, uh, Alex Hernandez. I'm sure you know Alex. He's a bass player. Uh, he does uh, Sound and Light at the House of Rock. I know you. Oh, far. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's from Mathis. And I'm, oh, from, wow. you know, what I mean, and and what we were talking about was just the dynamic of being from a small town, and the kind of like people that it breeds. I feel like yeah. the people from the small town are super driven because, like, yeah. oh yeah, we're not from the city. We we're gonna show you what's up, you know. And especially right, right. from Alice, were you part of band? Yeah, I did. I did a percussion from sixth grade till I graduated, um, which was awesome because. Uh, a lot of the guys that that I uh, I knew in percussion, you know, were at least three of them I could think of off the top of my head were all staters, nice. and and you know, t- two of them were like huge metalheads and and Mike Portnoy fans, and <laughs> uh, one of the dudes uh, went off to UNT and got his jazz degree and plays at Poncho Sanchez's band and and all this stuff, so like. I had access to really, really killer drummers. Yeah. And one of which you played with. Uh, with the Mr. Aaron, with Contreras. Aaron. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, man. And, and I mean, that's just, Aaron is just another example of like, you know, small small town things. And, and in his case, yeah, being able to just, uh, to do something the way he did at such a young age, like Aaron, was always a killer drummer. Yeah. Like he was just always solid and just, you know, it, I think in a sense I was very spoiled to know <laughs> so many good drummers. Yeah. 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 Definitely in South Texas. Those are rare. <laughs> when yeah. You, when you yeah. get them, you hang on to them because you're like, man, <laughs> I need, well, everybody I mean, needs the, a drummer. For the most part, like, you know, like those dudes anyway, they, they were doing other things, but like, you know, like, in, a, in in South Texas, generally, if if you're a musician or eat, like I, I'll use my some of my family's mentality. Not not everybody, but when I started playing guitar, a lot of them figured one or two things. Um, I have an uncle who is an Elvis impersonator when he's not cutting hair. Okay. Oh. And yeah. so every everybody thought that like so you you just 
are you gonna are you gonna be an Elvis too? It's like at the time I was like I'm not really an Elvis fan, <laughs> and I would never do the hair, or the voice, or the clothes or whatever. Uh, but then there's the opposite side of that where it's it's not American rock and roll and specifically like a South Texas music or mindset is like well if if you're gonna be playing guitar clearly you're gonna play Tejano or you're gonna be uh, in a mariachi group yeah. And it's like, I don't want to hear that either. Like, that's just, that ain't me. <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel you. So when was the point, um, when was the point where you were just like, I'm not doing music. Like, this is serious. Because I remember, you know, there's, there's always a point for someone, you know, where it's just like, yeah, I think this is it. I think this is it. La Bamba, man. That was that it. That was it, man. That, that young. was it. Yeah. Wow. I, I like I, I wanted to do whatever it was. I didn't know that you could make a living out of it. Yeah. Or uh in some cases, I mean, considering how the way twenty twenty's been, oh, yeah. not. But uh yeah, I, I like it was never something that crossed my mind. Like I like the money thing definitely came later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I after seeing that movie and then finally getting my hands on a guitar, I was like I don't know what this is, but I'm going to keep doing whatever it is. Man, that's amazing. Well, I, I, I want to say that I definitely saw that when you told me the story of your custom PRS. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah, yeah. you want to share that story with, with how that came about? Because it's a great, like, you know, I feel people will be really, really be driven to encouraged by that story, you know? You mean specifically how I ended up with it? Yeah, I remember your parents kind of, kind of giving giving you a choice, and this, yeah, that's the one. Yes. I mean, you can't really tell, but I told you about this a while back. It got new frets. Yeah. Uh, these pickups aren't original. Uh, I had a Mexican Strat from Sound Vibes. Well, both of these came from South Sound Vibes, but. Uh, a Mexican Strat that uh, I eventually got. These these are Dragon Twos. Nice. And these got put into the Mexican Strat, and then I ended up getting single coils put in that Mexican Strat. And uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, I held on to the pickups. I sent them to my best friend up in in Lincoln, Nebraska, and his wife surprised him or something because she grabbed one of his like already existing semi-hollow guitars <laughs> and had those pickups put in That's and then i told him if you ever get rid of the guitar give me the pickups yeah so he got rid of the guitar i ended up with the pickups and this is this is honestly the third set of uh pickups in this guitar because uh it came with the the stock like hfs and the yeah. vintage bass and then i traded that out with a friend of mine who has a prs for um i think they're like 5708s or something like that. Mm, okay. Those are now in uh, my 339. Mm. But previously they were in here and they sounded awful. <laughs> it was just like this This wasn't the guitar for those pickups. Crazy. And then when I got them put into the 339, dude, it was, I, I couldn't believe they were the same pickups. They sound killer in that 339. They do not sound good in this. Man, I've heard that about those those pickups. Uh, Matt Rolak, uh, the builder from here in town, right, he right, put yeah. them. In, he put those fifty seven oh eights in the guitar, and he was like, "Yeah, I didn't like them in that guitar." And then he put them in his Les Paul, and he was like, "That's 
that's much better. It's it's like I I almost gave up on them because I thought they sounded cool, and my my friend's PRS, but his was like, uh, I mean maybe it was a custom twenty two or something, but like you know it was a shorter yeah, short scale. scale. Yeah. Uh, the 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 woods and everything were generally the same, but like you know I think he might have had a stop bridge, and the neck I think was definitely more of a Gibson neck. Oh, this, okay. this thing's a wide thin. Yeah, I love the wide thin. Uh, and I was kind of disappointed, man. I played them for a while on this guitar, and I was like, they're awful. Like they're just, I, 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 and like I said, I, I gave them a try before I moved on to something else, and and they worked out fine. That three thirty nine for some reason. Yeah. But you know, some people would argue that a three thirty nine is essentially just a Les Paul. Mm. The 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 size and 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 whatever but i mean you know a, a mini 335 really but yeah yeah, yeah people yeah. would just say you know it's it's more or less less paul yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> some good or many would argue that right oh well, yeah well so so i, I remember so, one of the other things about you was that you used to have a twin so you used to have did. this cr this amazing prs that no i mean nobody in south texas had prs you know what I mean? They were like the untouchables. Ray, Ray, Ray Summy. Ray Summy. He was the first person to buy a PRS uh, from Sound Vibes. Man, that's amazing. That's good. That's good. Good knowledge. Might have to. Yeah, I don't right. remember who told me that, but somebody mentioned that to me. Like Ray Summy was the first one to have one. I was like, huh? How about that? <laughs> that is crazy. Ray's also a local legend. Um, and you used to carry around a twin. And I was just I like, did. dude, that was a big yeah what what drew you to the twin oh uh, well the guitar and the twin were uh uh this this cat that played lead guitar for uh, collective soul named uh ross childers that was yeah yeah uh of course because the internet really wasn't what it was at that point in time um uh, i just assumed like the twin that i i had I, sh I should have held on to just because it was loud and clean. It was 100 watts rather than like 85. Yeah. Uh, that thing uh, was was like the, the the 94 reissue or something like that, where it was kind of like the quote unquote evil twin. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and it had the the three channels. And to be brutally honest, the best thing about that amp was just the clean and the reverb and a presence knob. Excuse me, but beyond the scope of that, that medium gain and their like high gain, yeah, were just awful. It, like <laughs> I was just a absolutely awful, and I I could never quite figure out why, uh, it it didn't sound the same as that dude from from uh, Collective Soul. And then I found out. Let's see if I can reach this. That uh live anyway his his primary uh gain was yes. from one of these yes i remember man i am so surprised you still have that i was gonna ask oh, you about yeah. that no I, I i've thought about getting rid of it but i i man i, I still use it uh I, I went to to la and and nam specifically for the first time uh back in january nice and i traveled as light as I could, and I took uh, a telly with its own uh, uh, Reunion Blues gig bag. Yeah. And um, I'd specifically 
bought that for traveling in the first place. So it, it, it served me well in the sense of like flying. Yeah. But, uh, I bought that, I brought that with me and I had a suitcase and a backpack that had, uh, cables and that processor because like I, I, I couldn't take my pedal board. It just wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so the, the little bit of playing that I got to do while I was over there, uh, I don't think I ever really plugged into a real amp. And the one time that I did plug into an amp, I was sitting in at a friend's church. Nice. And I was plugged into a keyboard amp. And the keyboard amp was being shared with somebody playing keys. And that is a nightmare for a guitar player. <laughs> yeah. You got to be let, real let sparse. Alone, <laughs> let alone plugging into a keyboard amp as a guitar player. But, uh, uh, yeah, that that was my my travel thing. One thing I found was um, whenever I run this thing in front of an amp, uh, you can tell bypassed even that the clean tone is completely altered. Interesting. So, so what I would do, it what what I ended up doing was I ran. Uh, it has an effects loop on here okay. as one of the buttons, and you can assign. It's a real weird thing. But essentially what you can do is you can, it's like four or five patches and you can just hit a button and assign like you can, there's a tube screamer built in as yeah. well as that, that tube drive with the preamp thing. Yeah. And uh, you can assign as many of these effects or whatever to whatever button that you want and you just press another button and it lights up and then you press that button again and it, it saves it and, in a very a very sort of primitive way. That's uh, cool. But what I ended up doing was I took uh, a little Durham sex drive that I had. Yeah. yeah. And I plugged that into the uh, external effects thing. And that I basically added that pedal to every single patch that was on there. Yeah. And when it, when I added that and actually turned the pedal on, it was night and day from not having it in the chain because like, you could hear the difference when that pedal was on yeah. versus just the bypass of everything. Like the tone is clearly, clearly different, at least to me and not for the good. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. But, but, uh, yes, the twin, the guitar were both Ross and, uh, like for the longest time, certainly after I graduated high school, like I just, I wanted to be that dude. Yeah. And you got to and, play with him, didn't you? Uh, I made friends with him. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd that happen? Um, when he was still in Collective Soul, um, I went and saw them like on the last tour that he did with them in like 2001 or something, and that was uh at the outdoor stage uh, at Stubbs up in Austin. Mm, nice. And uh, somehow or another, I, I managed to uh, catch him on the sidewalk right outside the venue. And uh, I remember, like, I had a really, just a really stupid sort of, like, childish moment where, like, I was, I was standing right in front of the dude and I, like, saw shoes and then traced the shoes up to jeans and then it's like a Superman shirt. And then I saw, you know, his, his long hair, smiling face looking at me. And he's like, what's up, man? And I was like, <gasps> couldn't, couldn't breathe for like five minutes. Just so freaked out. 
but uh, I, I had some some song that I I had done uh, while I was still in high school uh, on like some cakewalk program or something like that was my recording software. Yeah, and I, I made the best of it, and and uh, it sounded like everything I was doing at that time was just me trying to sound like that dude. Yeah. So like I got to sit there with him in in one of their buses, and it was me sitting next to my dad and a friend of mine named David who was sitting across from us and, and dude just, he just sat there the whole time and listened to the song. That's amazing. And, and uh, was, was real cool. Uh, well, I mean, we hung out with him after, after the show, the whole, you know, most of the whole band was walking up and down the side of the bus. There was a long line of people waiting to get stuff signed. And by the time he got to us, he was just wanted to chat and, and, you know, like people, he didn't even bother going to like the end of the line. He just stayed there and talked while people were coming up and handing him stuff and he was signing and taking pictures, but he just kept talking. Dude, that's amazing. And, and, uh, eventually, um, he left that band and started of all things, uh, hosting an open mic in the South of, of, uh, Atlanta in some, some suburb called Peachtree. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And my girlfriend and I literally went there once. Like it was a it was a twenty four hour trip where we flew out in the morning, uh, rented a car, drove around because at the time I, I was a huge uh fan of The Walking Dead. Yeah, okay. And yeah, all yeah. that stuff is just shot over there. <laughs> and so there was a place called uh uh Sonoya or something like that, where they shot I can't remember if it was season two or three that had the governor and the governor's mansion and okay. like that whole little community with that dude with the eye patch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one of many people with an eye patch, I guess, because the kid had one too. Uh, yeah, after a while. <laughs> but, but right, but <laughs> uh, that that little. T- I mean, it's just like the. It's almost like. Uh, it would feel the, the 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 main street down in Sonoya where they built this house that's not there anymore. Oh. AMC, I think, built it and they simply built it for that season what? and then tore it down after they were done shooting. And you can just see like the outline of where it was. That's crazy. <clears throat> and it's it's it it feels like a community that's like it's so small that it would feel like you're driving through somebody's neighborhood. It's so small. Uh at least that was the main street and it felt like very like, I don't know, folks probably go there and like antique or something yeah, like it yeah, just yeah. had that vibe to it. <laughs> um, but we, we did all that stuff. And then we went back to the place where Ross was. And by this point I'd already talked to him and uh, <clears throat> I played by myself and then I got to play with him later on. And then he grabbed my acoustic and was like, is it cool? Like, I think I think you'll dig it. He had an idea about playing something on it, and I was like, I don't even know why you're asking. Go ahead. <laughs> and and uh, he he played some Collective Soul stuff on it, and I was just like freaking out, just watching this dude play. And uh, uh, he's he's probably the biggest reason why I I just like acquiesced into being a Prince fan because that dude always referenced Prince in all his Guitar World magazine stuff. They'd always say like, you know, who's one of your biggest guitar influences? And he would constantly men- mention Prince, and everybody was just like, okay. <laughs> but uh, we we got to jam. Uh, we 
played Kiss together, and then we played uh, Purple Rain. Nice. And uh, he didn't really want to take any solos. Like he was mm. just like, "I'll I'll play you. You take whatever." I was like, "You realize it's not that fun for me, right? Like I want to see you play something." But uh, he had me play a few things. Uh, we did a collective soul tune. Uh, that tune heavy. Okay. Okay. Um, and before we started it, like he legitimately, legitimately looked at me and he knew how much of a nerd I was about his guitar parts. And, uh, he goes, uh, how does that part go in the course that I play again? And I was like, <laughs> for real, dude. So I was standing there showing him his parts, which was just freaking me out. That's insane. And, and like afterwards, like my, my ego really wanted him to say something about my guitar playing like that's like i was like oh, something anything yeah and uh the dude was actually more impressed with me as a singer than a, a guitar player which kind of let me down a little bit <laughs> um but uh he signed that guitar uh he, he's been very cool ever since like every now and then i might text him or yeah. say something there was an instance where i was gigging with charlie and we were going to go through Atlanta on a Friday. Okay. And I let him know ahead of time that we were going to be there. And then that whole thing just fell apart and canceled. Uh, so I called him the week before, like the, the Sunday or something before that Friday, just to tell him what was going on and how I wasn't going. He was yeah. like, well, that sucks because I had it on the calendar and I was planning on being there. So, uh, um. A weird side note, and I, I told this to a friend of mine uh, earlier, but I had a dream while I was I was still doing that that uh, road gig, but I had a dream probably three or four years ago uh, where I was like, "Have you ever been to uh, the venue out out in B Caves? Well, I guess it's not there anymore, but it was called uh, the 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 backyard or something like that." not sure it was it was just like a a big outdoor stage okay uh, on the west side of austin okay yeah yeah, yeah. okay um anyhow i had a dream that i was somewhere like one of you know one of these outdoor places and in in said dream i'm probably standing if i had to guess it was like 30 or 40 yards away from uh who i think was prince Whoa. At my in my dream at the time, and I can't remember if he had passed away at this point or not, but like uh, I, I saw saw him uh, in my dream walking toward me, and I guess fight or flight mode kicked in and I ran off. <laughs> but when I came back, uh, he had left, but there was like a single purple pick uh, wrapped in like cellophane, the same way like if you ordered just a set of like regular Tortex or something yeah. that came in a little plastic thing, but it was one purple pick that was in the cellophane. And I remember I woke up, thought about that dream. I was like, that was weird. And literally about 12 hours later, if that was a Thursday night, this was probably like Friday evening. Uh, I get a, a text message from Ross, which is not common. Yeah, like that okay. dude hasn't like, I ain't Ross Childress. Why is he going to text me? <laughs> so I get a random text message from him and it's lyrics to uh, the Prince tune Paisley Park, like the, the course where I forget the lyrics, but it's like 
the girl on the seesaw and I can't remember the rest of it, but like he, he said the first three or four lines, but the last part of, of that particular uh, course is Paisley Park is in your heart, which is not the part that he said. He just said everything else. Wow. And I answered back with Paisley Park is in your heart and it like got like an emoji, like a smile or a guitar or one of these things or something. Yeah. Which later I told him about that occurrence and was just like, I don't know about coincidences or, or whatever, but <laughs> it was just weird that you decided to, te- and first I had to ask him, I was like, did you text the right person? And he's like, yeah, no, you, right? And I was like, yeah, it's just weird the way that lined up. That's, that is amazing. Well, I was always curious how you how you got into Prince, you know what I mean? Because I've always known you to like, you know, I could, I could definitely hear that influence in everything you do. You know what I mean? So it's amazing uh, that it's, it came from it's, Ross. It's, uh, it's there. <laughs> it's definitely there. Um, I, I, at the very least, if, 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 uh, if the talent is absent, I can at least say that I'm taller than him without platform <laughs> shoes, and I'm all right with that. <laughs> Man, so how did you go from – I mean, that's pretty heavy rock – um, well, for that time, it was it was nice, good, hard rock. You know, what I mean, how did you get from there to playing country? Because you're you're very affluent in that in that whole genre of being able to play. Most people, you can hear their original influences, but when you decided to pursue, you know, the countryside of things, it was like a shift. You know, what I mean, like, yeah. it was like you went so far deep that it was like, oh, yeah, I can access this part. But this part is now gaining so much traction. You know what I mean? So how did that happen? So part of it was 10, 12 years ago, um, I was I was getting, I, I want to say back in like maybe 2006 or seven, I got into... Uh, what was probably like the first like funk band I'd ever been in. Okay. And I, I was, uh, it was a cu- couple of dudes in the rhythm section, uh, that were friends. And, uh, the drummer was friends with, and you jammed with him before, uh, Bruce Banks. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, Bruce. And so, so, uh, that was my first excursion into like really re- at that point I was really getting into like James Brown and being introduced to like parliament and and uh at some point in time I think I'd even gotten into King's X probably way before that and I got to see like how all those elements really tied in because like they're huge parliament fans but those dudes are also big Beatles fans and uh-huh. like they just are they're their own thing yeah <laughs> um, definitely but uh, I, I guess from doing the funk thing and, and still being in a rock band, I was in, in my best friend's band at that time called the Hanyaks. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a call. Uh, at the time, I was also going to Texas State, and I was doing uh, a music degree mm-hmm. of some kind. And I was friends with... Uh, a lot of people that that were also in in the music department and if i ever really did hang out with anybody it was usually just a bunch of music nerds yeah cool uh because they they all knew how to party (laughs) um 
but oh, and I guess at that time too, I was also playing in a salsa band. Um, I didn't know much about it. I certainly did. I mean, like the clave thing was at at best. I like knew. I I knew there was a two three and a three two, and beyond that, like the way all that stuff fit in, just I I found out from all these dudes who like the guy that ran the band. He graduated with like a master's in like salsa composition or something. Whoa! And nice. and so he would arrange all the horn parts and everything that they did for for the the group. And he, along with one of the uh, percussionists, backed a uh, a Texas country dude up. Okay. And they played, you know, like some. I think the place is called the. Uh, thirsty nickel or something like that someplace that was on on the corner of uh sorry are you there yeah yeah, okay. yeah. F- somebody was trying to call me so uh uh Th- thirsty nickel was on uh the corner uh sixth and i can't remember the site intersecting street but somewhere up in downtown austin and uh I got the call like literally at the last minute to come play this, this Texas country gig. (laughs) And I like, I wasn't really a fan or anything, but they just needed a guitar player for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I showed up with the Paul Smith and with the twin and with, with the, the setup that you saw. And uh, we, we covered like uh, some old Neil McCoy stuff. And this this is probably more than one gig, but I remember a, a bass player friend of mine named Daniel Rhodes who tells the story way better than I possibly could. Uh, but the guy uh, already played jazz. Uh, he played in a, a, a gospel church where you really have to have some serious chops yeah. to do that stuff. And I, like the dude could just, he's got chops for days. So the country thing was not hard. I mean, at least for a bass player, one in five. It really <laughs> yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. that hard for him. But uh, the dude, uh, he had a grasp over the the vernacular of country. I did not. And so, like, we did this, this uh, Neil McCoy tune called No Doubt About It that I think was, like, a big hit for the dude back in, like, the early 90s. Okay. Okay. And it it kind of sounds like uh, the signature lick and everything probably sounds like uh, so, sort of like a faux R and B sort of like single note okay. riff. Um, and I'm trying to think of like the guitar. I don't remember who played on it, but there's a certain guitar player that kind of embodied that sound. And the guy's name escapes me right now, but he he passed maybe over the past year or so. Uh, but it was, you know, that like there was there were some country tunes like this that weren't just all chicken picking and stuff that really had like so, sort of like the uh, the the guitar riff to like my girl. Or okay. OK, OK. You know, where it's just dumb, but like it's it's very, like single note, very just clean, probably had course on it for some reason or another. But. <laughs> Like just just a very clean single note line stuff that's very reminiscent of old R and B. Um, I did not know that because I'd never heard the song before, and uh, I remember specifically pissing off my friend, play, who eventually became my friend uh, on bass, uh, because between me 
me playing my part and the drummer that was on the gig, neither of us like were like we weren't qualified for the gig. And so like I was coming from from a rock and funk background and I remember the thing that pissed him off the most that he found comical and actually uh, it, it annoyed him so much that he added to it was uh, I was using a wah and that just <laughs> just set him off. And so he started like slap slapping and plucking and like doing all this stuff. And he was trying to be a smart ass about it, but like I didn't know I wasn't paying attention. Um, so a f the funny thing to me about going into a Texas country, anything was like, as you very well know, uh, country in like the, the mid to late two thousands, even as far back as like five or 10 years ago has become way more rock. Yeah. 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 So definitely. like I was already doing that just <laughs> in the wrong context. Um, but, uh, I, I got into, I, like, I, I want to say like, if, if there was a player that was like a, a gateway drug, so to speak for, for a country, probably Brad Paisley. Oh yeah. Because the, the dude, like, even though he could do the country stuff to me, always had like this rock or punk rock sensibility to him, especially his tone, yeah. which was a lot dirtier than, than say, uh, Vince Gill yeah, yeah or somebody. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was just like some sort of excitement, especially being a guitar player where you just want to play. Sometimes you just want to play a billion notes yeah. for no reason. <laughs> and that that dude has made a career out of that. <laughs> Definitely. And, and uh, that was kind of that was certainly my first thing where I, I saw somebody doing that. And I was like, oh, so like country can be cool, too. Yeah. And and uh, from him especially listening to that that uh that play album that was all guitar stuff. Yeah. There was the song they had Cluster Pluck on there that was just a ton of different guitar players. Yeah. And one uh who was a local legend at the time that you and I both uh know which is Red Folkert. Of course, yeah. And and uh I saw him play here in 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 town at a at a bar on somebody's gig. It was like a festival or something at this bar and uh, I remember I was a little drunk watching him, but I watched him nonetheless and was just like floored to see that anybody could make a guitar do that. Yeah. And so like I drunkenly went up to him and I was like, hey, man, uh, do you give lessons? Which I know was a dumb question. He got probably all his life and he just kind of giggled. and was like, yeah. And he handed me like the baddest business card where uh, one side of it was just all red and the lettering and everything was black, but there was a uh, an imprint of a black pickguard, like a telly pickguard on it. And it said his name and his email and phone number and all this. And I was just like looking at it like, that's, a, I mean, for, for a dude to be called red and to have a telly, like th there's no better business card than that. That's one of the <laughs> baddest business cards I'd ever seen. Well, um, it matches his chops. That dude is absolutely insane. Absolutely. Insane. And my first lesson with him, honestly, was probably like 10 years ago, maybe, okay. if I'm thinking back. It was shortly after seeing him. And uh, at the time, man, he lived like right down the road in Kyle, which from, from where I was living at the time was like a 10 or 15 minute drive. Yeah. And just this little nondescript neighborhood. Yep. 
I remember. I, in, I remember and, going there, <laughs> and 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 sitting in in living room and seeing his record collection and seeing his old huge, uh, like I don't know if it was a super or something like that that was in the corner. And I, of course, I brought my Paul Reed Smith because that was probably the only thing I was playing at the time. <laughs> and I had like just no, in the same way that like somebody like because this is a very South Texas thing, Tex-Mex. And like, my Spanish has never been the greatest. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've managed to surround myself with some friends lately who were like Spanish speakers first and foremost. Yeah. And then they learned English. But uh, that's kind of what I felt like when I went in for that first lesson, which was like, I, I had all these like big ideas and I, I, for I, for whatever stupid reason, I thought maybe I'll show off, which was stupid. And there was nothing to show. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, he he uh, he gave me a few things to to look at, and I was like, you know, I, at the time I had friends that that lived in in Nashville that were like, why don't you come over here? And I I mentioned it to him, and like he like really he shot it down the moment I said anything about it. He was like, yeah, I'd probably wait about 10 years or something before I make that decision. And I was like, okay. And he goes, uh, he goes, really? He goes, do you get gigs here? I said, yeah. He goes, you got family and stuff here? I said, yeah. He goes, are you making money? I was like, I mean, you can call making money. Like, yeah, I guess. And he was like, yeah. I mean, he goes, I wouldn't rush it. And part of it was like, he'd already done it. Yeah. And I, I think he just wasn't down with, that was why he left. He just didn't like the way Nashville where it was going yeah, yeah yeah yeah. so part of it was just like you know i besides be, being in my case being a shitty player and not knowing country <laughs> it was like you maybe maybe you should re rethink that and if you can build a career here do that instead and like i get it i mean i i essentially paid for an hour of him telling me stories and finding out just how bad i was in guitar <laughs> I had a similar experience. It was probably much more brutal. Uh, just knowing, like, knowing now what I knew that right, didn't right, know right. then. You know what I mean? You're yeah. like, oh, I had no idea. I had no idea I, what I was getting into. <laughs> well, well, after that, like, I, I got more into that stuff. And and uh, to the point that I was just dissecting everything, like, and if I looking for tabs and stuff is always disheartening because you find out just how much people don't use their ears. Mm -hmm. And then like, I, I, I gave up on looking at tabs a long time ago. Uh, even some sheet music, I, I might set like go measure by measure or something or phrase by phrase, and then find out like there's a certain slide somewhere or there's an open string somewhere, or there's just a particular timbre of like, what a G note on the high E third fret is going to sound like versus all the way up on the eighth fret B string. Yeah. 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 And, and training myself and my ears to hear that, uh, has made me rely more on my ears and less like looking at something. So I got a hold of uh, a bunch of red stuff, like just stuff, his stuff that he'd recorded all the way back in like the late nineties, I think maybe when he was he had just moved to Nashville or something and was about or had just joined uh Haggard. uh Haggard's band the Strangers yeah 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 and i i obsessed over some of the songs on there and 
tried to learn them the best I could. And then about five or six years after that first lesson, I, I signed up for another lesson with him and showed up and like had way more of it down to the point that we were playing through, uh, we were playing through a hay bale tune that uh, it was also a Haggard cover. It was, uh, I forget you every day. Okay. Okay. And, and uh, red does this thing. Let's see here. He does this thing over a five over a C and it's just this, uh... right? Yeah. And so I, when I got to that point and did the, uh, he's playing the chords as I'm, I'm playing his solo the best I can verbatim. And the moment I played that in his big voice, he goes, smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. And, and, uh, he, he seemed, he seemed very, uh, very flattered that I would take the time to try to learn any of his stuff. But I mean, dude, there's just like so much knowledge in what that dude does and just how he navigates a, a fretboard. Like it's, I mean, dude, even if you're not a country player, I feel like there's so much to be learned from guys like that, yeah. like that, that can, you know, he can definitely do all the fast stuff. But between like making the thing sound like a steel and not having a bender, yeah. <laughs> um, and and uh, I, you know, he said a billion times to different people that he always wanted to be like a Western swing player. He can do all that stuff too. Yeah. Uh, but his whole mindset uh, about just being a versatile player is like, if he gets called for a blues gig he's going to play it like a blues player. Yeah. If he gets called for a country, like, you know, whatever the gig asked for, he's going to just pursue it as that. Yeah. Um, I'm not so disciplined, so I'll try to throw everything at, at the situation at once. And, uh, I, I found actually like doing some of the, the gospel stuff that like, whenever they go into like the really quick church, stuff where it's like don't 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 it's it sounds like like cc writer or uh just something with like a train beat even and you can do some of that chicken picking stuff yeah and 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 even though it's not country it it sometimes will go over well and you <laughs> see people making just like ugly faces in a good way yes that that you're throwing some some of the chicken picking stuff over some of the gospel stuff like the ultimate it, sign of approval, the stank face. Right, dude. And 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 it's cool <laughs> to know that like that that stuff really can it it can you can apply all those things, like the hybrid picking, uh, you know, you can apply all that stuff to just almost anything, really. I mean, uh, w with the exception of trying to do that stuff in a classical setting, uh, that that would <laughs> probably tighten up the sphincter of a lot of uh, classical purists if you're trying to <laughs> to to do some some steel bends and stuff on a nylon string man yeah i i really like that about blurring the lines you know what i mean like yeah. blurring those lines and not having them so hard uh i've always it my like i have to tell you i've always admired that i've never heard the same riff twice it's yeah. like every single time i see you play you just never run out it's just like constant, oh, man, like no. you, you, you need you need to come to another gig and and 
and just see how, how much repetition there is, man. <laughs> I don't um, know, man. For, for, for me, whenever I see you play, I'm just like, how does he freaking not get old? Like, it just, it's a constant stream of just, like, ideas. And I'm just like, I always really admire that about you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, man, he doesn't get old ever. And so few guitar players are like that. You know what I mean? So many people are done do, you know, they'll do the Stevie thing or the, the Albert King thing and just right. harp on it. You know what I mean? Where it's like, right. yeah. So, some people some people could do it well. There's there's a dude in Austin named Eric Tesmer who's like Stevie times 10. Like he, 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 like he's definitely like down to the dress and the hats and everything. Like you're Stevie, dude. Like we, we get it. <laughs> but like... Uh, the the first time I ever saw that dude, I've like I felt, I I had this this moment watching the dude where I felt like, I I was never old enough to see Stevie, yeah. But I felt like that was the next best thing, nice. just because that that dude could do it. But he was he was a very polished Stevie, interesting, very 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 polished. So like like, and that's the thing about Austin, like it, it, the Stevie thing is. I suppose it's it's still huge where you've got somebody with a strat and a cranked fender something or another behind them. But uh a lot of lot of Stevie loving folks, they're nothing bad about it, but yeah, there there are definitely as you say, there are some people that can do it to death. Yeah, definitely. So do you think that your your style and your your variances in, in this growth that you're doing, has that influenced like your gear? Like like, you know what I mean? Cause I used to see you with a PRS and then I never would have thought of putting humbuckers in the strat, but then you see a lot of studio guys are like, yeah, that's a secret weapon. And you've oh, gone yeah, yeah, through yeah. that and now you're, you know, with the, with the tellies, you know what I mean? So does kind of what you're doing just kind of like, yeah, that's going to work for that. And then with, with the telly, that took me a while to get around to it because I remember having a friend in high school who like, you know, had a very strong mindset about the guitar and he, I guess he had one Okay. and he was like, it's the most versatile guitar ever. And I was like, whatever, dude, shut up. <laughs> and, and, you know, pro- probably seven, 10 years later, something like that. Uh, I ended up getting one and finding out how much I really liked them. And then I got another one that I liked even more than the first one. And, that that one has actually been my number one and it's it's not really the most expensive guitar it's way cheaper than paul reed smith for sure uh but part of the reason of not taking the paul reed smith out to gigs was it's just too pretty (laughs) yeah and and i did a lot of road gigs i've done a lot of road gigs in the past where sometimes i always try to have even if we're like in a a 15 passenger van. I always try to find some way to put my guitars in the vehicle because the thought of them traveling in the Texas heat yeah, and in the back of a trailer, like that's just, no, yeah. no, that ain't, I, I ain't doing that. <laughs> and so thinking about the wear and tear that would happen to, to something like a Paul Reed Smith, like made me not feel so bad about having a telly. Because I, I can I can think of plenty of gigs where I might have played outdoors somewhere with somebody and I was trying to warm up on like a picnic table uh-huh. and 
I had to go do something for a second. So I just took the guitar and set it down on the picnic table. Like I wouldn't do that with Paul Reed Smith. Yeah. It's just yeah, yeah. like that's <laughs> there's there's something very sacrilegious about throwing a guitar that looks that pretty on just any surface. Especially with the the neck angle. <laughs> yes. Because we all yeah. know what can happen. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And and so what I found out is with the exception of like uh, a metal gig. And I mean, e even that's been, can be disputed with guys like John five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but a telly, I mean, you can use them for anything, man. I definitely used them for country gigs. Uh, I've loved using them for funk gigs. Uh, they'll do blues, obviously. Uh, I, I've, pretty much taken a telly to almost any situation and been fine. Like, you know, it, it even, even with the minimal selections for three, you know, three pickup selections yeah. and a cup, you know, a volume and a tone knob, you can still do a whole lot. Nice. Well, while we're on the subject, because I know you're a gearhead and I'm a gearhead. Sure. <laughs> we have this, uh, this segment in this podcast called what's in the box. And All so right. I have this box here and, uh, what's and, in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> and so, uh, we put some in here and, uh, wanna, what it is, is, is uh, it PG, right? It's PG. And, and today we have an overdrive pedal. Oh, is that is that the original? This is this yeah, this is version one, number eight sixty nine. So version one, but we just want to hear about overdrive with what what you consider uh the great overdrives or maybe uh you know your journey in overdrives because I know you've had you've gone through I've seen you with Menatone, I've seen you with the O C D I've seen you with multiple versions of the top boost in the I, can. I, in, in a way, you're kind of to blame for <laughs> for s some of these choices. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Oh man. So what do you what do you play? What's your favorite? What's your go-to drive? Mm, man, that's hard to say. And and I I only say that because. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I have the mainstays on the board and and the OCD, like the version one that you have, which you told me about originally in the first place. <laughs> uh, I, dude, I remember you're you're smooth talking, like, bro. You you really need to check out a version one OCD. Like, that's that. I know they've got different versions, but you know the the blue light, the, the version one. That's that's it. That's it. Um. That I've had like a love hate relationship with that pedal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh because it's it's I remember doing a fly date gig with Charlie where we played uh Katie, some private party in Katie on like a Thursday. Uh -huh. Um and then we flew out the next day from an airport in Houston uh to Springfield, Illinois. Ooh. And all I had with me was the the gig bag with the telly that overdrive and uh the tc electronic flashback okay yeah, yeah, yeah and that was my pedal board for that night and and the uh the the back line at least for me was a twin like just a, a you know a reproduction mm -hmm. 
65 or whatever. And it felt a little weird just having to like, just use those things. <laughs> uh, but like I said, that one's been the love hate relationship as far as pedals go. Uh, but it's, it's, it's on the board now. I mean, <laughs> uh, this, despite the fact that, uh, I, I know du- dude made some choice comments. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is I still use that pedal yeah. immensely. Um, we taped all of the a, logos up after that, that happened. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, on the board right now, I know it's not a game pedal, but honestly, the oldest pedal I've probably ever had. And I think it's still the original one I've had from being a teenager was like a, a TU2, like oh, a boss tuner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, after that, there's, uh, I mean, I'm looking at that thing right now. There's a, a free, <laughs> free the tone. Hold up. Let me see if I can get nice. this right. Um, free the tone's kind of something new. It's the, uh, the, Ver- version two, Matt Schofield overdraft. Oh, Schofield. Schofield's so amazing. Actually, our podcast is named after his, uh, his, uh, his, he, he got a bunch of guys together and they did this thing called Bandemic in the Woods. And it's just okay, yeah. amazing. And I was like, that's a great name for a podcast. Let's do that. <laughs> so hopefully he, he doesn't come after me for copyright. <laughs> uh, man, you know, uh, that, that could, could also be, uh, uh, not necessarily an incentive, but you know, it could, could also be flattering if he comes after you because of the name. <laughs> Let's see. Here we go. Nice. So that there's that, you know what that is. Yes. Uh, this I'm only ever like right now it's in the uh, octave up feature. Okay. Okay. And so it's a very quick, like what bending up, bending down. Nice. And pe- people's eyes light up when I use this thing. Cause they're always trying to figure like, what did you do? What's that noise? I'm like, <laughs> it's just a harmonist, but I'll use the, uh, octave down feature. Oh, okay. And, uh, I was in a band once that did not have a bass player and did like a rap rock thing. Uh-huh. And, uh, I had an ABY switch where, uh, one side of it was a really crappy PV amp that was all gain. Oh man. And then the other side of it was a bass amp, like a, a, a one fifteen, And I had this pedal in front of the bass amp and I had the wet signal just all the way up. Ooh. And through through the right PA and subs, it really did sound like there was a bass player because everything I was playing were just like single single string single note yeah. riffs. I know that. And then I, thing is kind of like a David Grissom trick too. He's there yeah, that yeah. that OC. And 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 uh, you know, the thing that really helped that too was sometimes I would hit that ABY where I could switch. So like just the guitar by itself or the guitar would drop out and I would just play the bass line. Nice. And then like that, that was a, a cool trick. It was a little, little cheesy, but a cool trick nonetheless. But there's the, uh, Free Matt the Schofield. Man, that guy's a monster. Uh, What's that sound like? Somewhere between, uh, 
a roided tube screamer, and if you crank the gain up, it starts getting into like fuzz territory. Ooh, nice. Just a little. Okay. Uh, and then this this tone knob is very very useful as far as just like dialing in different guitars and stuff. It can get really bright and brash over here, but uh, I usually keep it around eleven or something like that. Uh, this thing. Ooh, the animal. Yeah. You know what? Austin Dirty. was trying to get me to buy that guy. He was like, "You're doing. You would love this." He's like, "This is so, right up your alley." I I had uh one of these um that i bought from some store years ago while i was still doing the charlie thing and i could never get along with it because while it did sound good it was just too noisy like the 60 cycle hum noise okay and so a friend of mine modded it to not be noisy which completely changed the sound of it and that ended up just i didn't like it and i put it away so then i contacted them uh the j rocket to see if they could uh just put it back to spec okay. and this was probably you know back in march maybe oh, okay okay and the person i talked to i think might have actually been the owner uh told me that they were coming out with a limited run of the originals which look this 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 isn't the original one i had they, they came out with the version two that's more kind of squared box okay 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 and this one you know it's like it's real tall mm. you can see it's like a, a a brick or platform or something yeah but uh, he was going to 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 just return it back to spec, and they did this limited run of like fifty or a hundred of the version ones, and he got back to me and was like, "I'm just going to send you one of the limited ones." What? So that's what this was, and I'll tell you, dude, this thing, uh, the original one must have had a problem with it because this thing is way more quieter than the one I had originally. Interesting. It's just, just, uh, cause the other one was just, eh, with that, with that 60 cycle hum. I love it when and people then are that still would, trying to, you know, make things better. You know what I mean? They're like, this is good, but I can make it better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, th this, I want to say there was something wrong with that pedal. Cause the dude even said like, this, it shouldn't do that. I was like, it does. <laughs> I promise you it does. Uh, but yeah, th this, uh, this definitely does that supposed to be a plexi oh, right okay. yeah and it it does that really really well nice. uh it's it's kind of impressive just how how different it is compared to what you know what that is yeah we know what that is <laughs> uh man it looks good and, dude and, and both of these can get really close to each other but this one is just more mid-rangey in my okay. opinion so it definitely it's it's more plexi I would say this one, you know, the way I have it set in that upward position, yeah, high peak, uh, is is more more modern, high gain. Man, it's really interesting because that was like the exact setting that I used, tone oh, and yeah. volume at eleven, and then drive it one two, like it was when so I was easy doing, to remember. <laughs> when I was doing the Charlie gig, uh, because most of the time I would just leave this pedal on, I was doing this. Or that. Whoa. Just to cut cut over the band because it was so damn loud on stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I ain't got to tell you anything about that. <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, Mr. Brown. I'm trying to remember the... Yes, that's what it was. 
Uh, I got this pedal because I'm a huge fan of those Morley phasers yeah. that are like eight stage phasers. Yeah. And this thing uh, on paper and theory is supposed to be eight stages and it does it. Uh, but usually like right now it's set for phaser. Usually I have it set like this and this is like my faux Leslie. Nice. And it does it really well. Nice. But uh, then you can, I think, I think you can turn these knobs almost off. And this thing right here is called the bonus knob. Okay. And it it literally acts as a manual sweep Whoa. through the face. So you can set it at any point of the sweep and just keep it there. That's pretty cool. Um, and that dude, you know, that company, they they have I'm I'm signed up to their email list, so they have sales where the pedals aren't ridiculously expensive, and I oh. might have gotten this thing for like a hundred bucks. Dude, I love those. Uh, love pedal was doing that, and I just went crazy forever. Like on love pedals, I love that guy too. Yeah, yeah. Who are nice. who are now making the uh, the Zen Drive? Yes, <laughs> that thing will never leave. <laughs> uh, this thing I got in Nebraska, probably nine or ten years ago, and I got it because of the tone print function. And this thing has. Uh, the uh steve morse nice. uh delay which but that was the whole reason i wanted it in the first place but every now and then i'll use it for like uh slap. that slap and and do some crappy brad paisley <laughs> uh and then a friend of mine turned me on to these dude you familiar with these i heard that that was the same engine that's in lexicon like the same it's it's that so that's what it had. I mean, you can definitely oh, see it right I there. Yeah, it's, I it's, didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't see that. It's got the same same algorithms. That's insane. And and uh, dude, I got it for the Spring Reverb because some of my amps don't have it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's pretty killer, man. Spring Reverb. Uh, you know, it's it's you know for sure it's not a true Spring Reverb, but it can come very close. Uh, it has this uh, modulated thing that can get real spacey. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've done, uh, some Jeff Buckley, uh, tribute shows where I used that and that worked out immensely. And it's just like, it's got a plate that I use for like, I think I had this set because I was playing uh green hall with my band a week ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we did, uh, I think we did like some Zeppelin and I, nice. I added that plate to it and it's just, you know, for a little bit of effect and it's killer. Uh, if there's one pedal that I am probably a whore for, it's that. <laughs> That's funny. Red says the same thing. I know yeah. I know. Red says the same thing. He's like, the sex drive, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and for him, like, uh, before Alan Durham approached him at a gig, Red was using the, the Boss, uh, the blue compression yeah. pedal, the CS2 or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would turn the compression down and turn the level up. That's crazy. And, and, and dude came up to him at a gig and was like, I have a pedal for you to try. And, you know, there it is. The rest is history. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I hate that I rely on it sometimes too much, <laughs> but, but, uh, it's, it's a cool little pedal, man. If, if you use it, uh, right. And sometimes I don't, <laughs> well, there's, but, there's uh, no rules, right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, so that, you know, that's, uh, that as, as far as like, that that pedal board, with the exception of a few, like very few pedals, has changed much. Uh, 
the uh the reverb pedal uh maybe that thing's been on there for a year or something i'm not entirely sure that and that animal uh overdrive that's certainly only been on there a few months or at least since the you know close to the beginning of the year but everything else is generally the same where's your uh, where's the wah i got tired of the one that i was using nice okay 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 yeah i mean i i the funny thing was i got it because uh i i like wormhole uh wah pedals one day or more definitely more in one day and i think once i spent way too much money on like color sound wah yeah that was like yeah, re yeah. refurbished and when i got it that thing uh had the smallest little circuit board on the inside of it like all this space and a small like little pathetic circuit board on the inside <laughs> and the sweep on that pedal was almost non-existent oh wow and and i hated it and sold it to somebody can't remember who i definitely got the better end of the deal because that pedal was trash. <laughs> um, and I don't know that all of them are like that because I've heard some people say like, you know, they love the the sound. The reason I really liked that particular pedal or any wah pedal for that matter is uh, I like those wahs that end up sounding like almost like vomit. Oh, okay. Vowels, something like that. <laughs> where it's just like, it's very wide and throaty, like, uh, uh, I, I, whenever I think of the quintessential wah sound, I think of the 535Q that Ross used on that solo for uh, Heavy. Okay. From Collective Soul, where he's just scratching the strings and doing all this like frantic what have you. Uh -huh. And uh, I always felt like that that particular wah sound made it sound like, I don't know, dude, sound like his guitar had a bad night of drinking or something and just started throwing up all these noises. And I, I always loved that that sweep where, like, when you went into the heel position, it was very deep, like you know, more more deep than say like a Vox even. Yeah, yeah. But then when when you hit that point of like hearing the deepness go into like the nasal part of the toe, it was very very noticeable. It sounded like uh, <laughs> there's there's a joke that Richard Pryor talks about where he talks about drinking too much. Huh. And just his, you know, your body making these involuntary noises when you when you drink too much and throw up is like wah, bleh, 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 bleh. <laughs> and and uh, like for some reason I've always liked that particular sound of a wah where it's just a very very wide wide sweep. sweep. Interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll be on the lookout for you. I'll find a I'll find a I'll find a, a few recommendations for you. <laughs> I, that's dude, all I'm, I do. I, 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 but, but between the blue chips. Oh, you got on the blue chip? You gave me one, dude. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a couple of Christmases back or something, and, and I was at, at your place, and uh, I had, I had like, the blue uh, tortix, tortex or whatever, and uh, you're like, oh, that's cool. Why don't you check out one of these? You said blue chips and handed me a... A pick that was not blue at all. <laughs> yeah, they're brown. The, the ugliest things ever. 
Like, yeah, we need to work yeah. on the, the marketing, but yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I looked at it for a second and you were like, no, 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 you don't understand. And you like, like everything else that I end up buying eventually, you just like talked it up like, no, no, no. Like, like, look, it's got the bevel this and like, no, you should, I mean, you should really just check it out. And when I asked you about the price, I was like, dude, for a pick, really, really. <laughs> and so I kept that first one. And if you can believe this, cause I was doing the road gig at the time, uh-huh. Uh, plenty of opportunities to lose picks. Yeah. Uh, I, I held on to that one. I've probably still got it somewhere, but I wore, I wore it out in about, uh, I want to say I probably wore it out in like eight or nine months. Well, yeah, that's, that's and, the cool part is that they last forever. Then once I did that, I got a second one. Um, I think I got a thicker one. Like, uh, I forget which, did you get like the, uh, I think I do. What was 40, the thickness though? It's like 1.15, like TD. Right. Yeah. Right. So I got the next higher up okay. in thickness, which was like the, the, the six, 60 or whatever it is. Yeah. And I've still got that and it's kind of cool, but, uh, I can definitely feel the difference between that and then, you know, the other one. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I ended up getting, another one of the other ones maybe i'm on the third one it's been to me it's been so long but i remember like i wore through one of the other replacements in probably like half the time whoa because like i was playing a lot but i like just like very like violent with the pick like scratching and yeah. and all these things that you probably don't want to do with that pick because it's so expensive <laughs> do it on the bottom end <laughs> that's what Rome I, does. I thought about that too <laughs> I, I i'm just surprised that like how, how much i've managed to hold on to those picks because like you know and any other pick you just lose it it's like yeah eh, well whatever yeah. uh and there have been many uh drunken and or belligerent nights where like even in like a, a an alternate state of mind, <laughs> like I got if, get I, this if guy. I had it, dude. If I had it in my pocket <laughs> and we were on the bus or something, I would go for my keychain that has the little pick yeah, leather clutch. Yes, and and deliberately put it in there <laughs> and tuck it away in something because I knew the moment I lost it, I was gonna be pissed. <laughs> that is awesome, man. Dude. So yeah, thanks, Ray. <laughs> Well, you're very welcome. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm having a nice impact. Hey, tell me before, <laughs> be, before we run out of time, man, tell me about that that pro, because you told me about that the other uh, night. Yeah, yeah. So uh, some some dude uh, between Wimberley and and uh, Dripping Springs, which you know, like twenty or thirty minute drive from me. Yeah. Uh, have been trying to get rid of it and get rid of it. And, um, <clears throat> I don't necessarily think it was a money factor cause I, mm-hmm. I went and saw, saw the dude's place and he looks like he lives on probably like 10 acres over there or something and land over in that area. Is not yeah. Cheap. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, he had it priced relatively low and it came with the case. And to be honest with you, I didn't want the case. Like oh. I just like, if I had a road gig, it would be one thing, but like, I was just like, eh, like I, I even thought about the, the aspect of like, can I even fit that thing in the car? 
<laughs> and and thankfully, uh, I managed to fit the amp and everything in the case. In like, it took up the entire trunk. Yeah. But I got it in the trunk. And um, uh, a, a good friend of mine named Tom Hughes, he has one that he's had for I don't even know how long. He, I, I want to say he got it from a guitar center or something like 20, 30 years ago or something like that. Like, it's been a while, but uh, <clears throat> he had his modded by uh, Kendrick. You remember that amp company? Yes, Kendrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had his modded by that company, and uh, they completely disabled the normal channel interesting okay and and i think that just added mo- like it added something more to the the uh vibrato channel okay, or whatever okay. like um i don't know if it was necessarily more power or what but he there was a reason he had that channel disabled and i think it was probably just more power but um his looks almost identical to that thing nice drip edge. and 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 uh, I remember he couldn't get his fixed in Austin. Like he didn't really trust. Because when you go to any place in Austin, as you very well know, unless you know the person that's working on the stuff, even then at some of the the, the bigger name stores in town, you're kind of just a number. Yeah, 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 yeah. And because I've managed to make friends with, I know a dude that lives up in Austin that I've known now for like 10 years, who's the sickest guitar player and can, can look at just a schematic of like any fender and tell you what, what is what and where it goes and how to make this one thing in the signal chain, just be completely different. Like adjust. Uh, He took uh, a silver face twin that he got relatively cheap Uh because he could make it work again for, you know, a few dollars for parts and those mad scientists dude he he uh he blackfaced the inside of the circuitry you know doing whatever he needed to do with it but he added a feature to the maybe it was the the volume knob or something and it was like a push pull feature okay that changed the uh, tone stack so one i think in was twin reverb and out was like uh I can't remember if it was like a super or uh, I don't think it was a pro. Maybe it wasn't a Vibrolux even, but like it was a completely different That's tone crazy. stack of, of uh, just another Fender. And, you know, he, he, I remember as brilliant as the dude is and, and very generous with knowledge. Uh, he gave me uh, one of those like Radio Shack little uh, readers to, to uh, biasing probes and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he hand, handed it to me and took a blank sheet of, of just like printer paper and wrote out this like calculus equation from like the very top left corner of the page all the way down <laughs> to the bottom. Like by memory, dude didn't look at a book or anything. He just wrote it out. And I watched him write it and he hands me the sheet of paper and he was like, with these two things, you can bias any amp you want, you'll be fine. And I didn't have the heart to tell him like, dude, I am so bad at math. Like you, you just wasted paper trying to hand me something that I'll never know. The tree died in vain. Dude. And like I said, he, he meant well, but like I stared at it and just got this anxiety in my chest. Like 
I don't I I can't read it and even if I tried I'll probably break or burn something and like and eventually I was like Omar like I know you meant well dude but like I don't understand any of what was on that paper let alone how you were able to write it out from just memory yeah but you know I going back to what I was saying I took my friend Tom's pro to sound vibes okay and like uh, Willie was probably still working yeah, there at the yeah, time. Yeah. I think Buddy might yeah, have been working yeah. there too. And and one of them fixed his amp. I can't remember if it was like a, a new tubes issue or what necessarily, but uh, yeah, they they ended up working on the amp, and I used it on a gig when I went back to pick it up. And uh, after the fact, I took it back to him, and he was just like floored, like man, like hey, you know, dude, like like sound vibes to me is always going to be home because it's like that's as a kid that's where you got to look at the craziest expensive gear that you normally like for me i couldn't i remember degraff losing his mind when i asked about playing a gibson that was hanging behind the counter (laughs) and and i was like eight or nine and he was like you cannot come in here and handle the guitars if you do not have money to buy the guitars you should not be asking about the guitars don't even stare at the guitar for fear of dropping it. Just do not handle the guitar unless you plan on buying it. Do you plan on buying the guitar? And I was like, no. Well, then you're not playing the guitar. I'm like, dude. Corpus but yeah, those those dudes really know. Like, I, I, I'm glad I knew. And I'm still friends with Willie even now. Uh, he he came up to the area on, on my birthday. And I had this little jam at some some basement bar in green yeah and it was me him and another friend of mine and we sat there and drank and just played acoustic guitars and uh i've actually been recording guitar and a lot of willie stuff willie just has a a bunch of songs and there was like some faux tejano tune some sort of like texas tornado song yeah sounding song that I, i recorded guitar stuff on uh there's some country stuff uh, where I used all every Brad Paisley and Red Lick I could possibly think of on there, and and uh, I, I, like I said, I'm still friends with the dude. And uh, aside from meeting people that know what they're doing, and he was the first dude to introduce me, like much like yourself, that would say like, "Well, the twin that I had, he was like, these are Russian tubes. Uh, have you tried American tube?" I was like, "I didn't know there was a difference." <laughs> and so at the time. Uh, uh, Groove Tubes was kind of, I think Aspen Pittman was like a, about to sell the company. So like all the American stuff was just like in very high demand Yeah, and they were trying to just buy it up. Yeah. And Willie ended up putting some uh, American GEs or something in, in that twin. And that was the first time I ever heard the difference between stock tubes versus something like American. When I heard the difference, even as a kid, I was like, wow. Like, yeah. I couldn't believe how much of a difference just tubes made. Yeah. I think, uh, I think every once in a while Willie would uh, take a few liberties with amps. I remember taking in my basement and yeah. uh, it was not the same amp when I, when he gave it back, but it was like in, in, in a good way or a bad in, way in a perfect way. In one of those, okay. like I am, I am on the floor just floored that this thing could sound that good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I love it. You're talking that. about that, that basement behind you? Uh no, it was a Tweed 410. Oh, yeah, dude, I remember that. Amp. Yes, I, I remember. See, so I remember. This was probably the first time 
I had heard a, a volume boost pedal. Yeah. And you were over at my parents' house with that big ass amp. And <laughs> you had you had a katana. Yes. That was in front of it. And that was also another pedal that that has come and gone from my collection. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> uh but I remember like playing with my gear and we were jamming, and then you're like, oh, check this out. And you slammed that pedal on and it just did this with like everything and i remember like trying to keep up with it and i was like my amp just doesn't sound loud anymore like <laughs> nothing, nothing it just it, it sounded like it was buried after you added that pedal and so for some reason that makes me think of the same concept as the 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 sex drive like yeah you know just that that clean big clean headroom which the knob on that thing if i remember could also get very dirty yeah, 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 yeah. If you it was like, like the push pull thing, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you still yeah. have any of those pedals? Yeah, still it's in the closet. <laughs> I, Is that I, the same I, one you've always had. It's the same one, number thirty, oh, wow. thirty-two. No, maybe n- number eighteen. I can't remember. It's one that I didn't even know it was a low number until I sent it back for a little like upkeep. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. think the switch went bad, and they're like, "Wow." This is one of the first katanas we ever made. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> cool, man. Sit in the back. I need that thing. <laughs> right, right, right. Don't get it lost. Yeah, please don't lose my katana. Well, man, That's like, funny. what's going on? Uh, what do you got planned music-wise? Are you are you uh, writing? Or are you just, are you, or is everything past the pandemic for you? Or are you still kind of like, what's your what's your percentage at right now for the, for the state of the union? <laughs> So, so for me, when this stuff started, the only thing I could really do to just, you know, cause I mean, even right now people are getting laxed mm-hmm. about the idea of, of going out and especially around here, like there are a lot of people that just don't consider the idea of wearing a mask. Like it's just doesn't occur to them. It's not on their radar. Wow. And, and that scared me when I went back to playing gigs. I, I, the last gig I had played when the stuff went down was in March. Okay. And I waited till early April and I played, uh, a church gig with my friend Andre at a, a gospel church on the opposite side of town. And it was an outdoor gig. Okay. So the band set up under some tent, which, didn't provide much coverage when the sun shifted, mm. but, uh, I was okay with that because we were outside. Yeah. Um, and then like the following week I played a gig with that same dude, Andre, I played with his band. Uh, it was a band called the clever name band out of new brothels. And they were playing a, a joint over there. It's a really great burger joint that has, uh, a, a live, live music venue outside where it's like it's partially covered like there's there's a, a wall or something that's missing that goes out into like a beer garden okay, i guess okay, okay and it can house a lot of people but i you know this was uh whatever beginning stage it was where their texas was trying to just allow a certain amount of people in bars yeah 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 and they kept saying that they were like at capacity at times where they were just not letting people in because of said percentage. But when I got there to that initial gig, it felt like the place was just packed with people like beyond the point of like, we're, we're telling people uh, that we're at capacity for like, it didn't seem like they were following the rules. Yeah, there were so yeah, many yeah, people. Yeah. 
And then everybody, the, the staff was wearing gloves, mm-hmm. but I didn't see anybody wearing a mask. And that, that freaked me out. Like that just got, got me freaked out. And then somebody wanted to use my mic and I was like, really dude, Ugh. really? Yeah. And, and, um, <clears throat> that kept me away from gigs till I guess re- recently o- over the past few weeks, month, even, okay. uh, I've, I've definitely played, I played my first gig outside of the house. Uh, man, it must've been Monday wow. of last week when, when my band played, uh, Green Hall and we did the main stage, which was bittersweet because that's only for headliners uh-huh. and the bands that play during the week play on the opposite side behind the bar. Yeah. 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 Um, but they were doing it for, for pandemic purposes, keeping the band on stage. And uh, dude, we really didn't play to a whole lot of people, unfortunately, because it was late. It was definitely Labor Day. Yeah. Uh, but everybody was there during the afternoon, and we played from like six to nine. And there were a few people that hung around and and stuck around in there and stuff. But uh, that was probably my first gig. And then the same friend of mine, uh, Andre. Uh, is part of a a new church that opened up across town from here. And uh, I did a rehearsal with them last week and maybe the week before that, I can't quite remember, but uh, they did their first like actual service or something where they, a bunch of uh, ministers or preachers or something from different churches came and they essentially like, brought in the the dude's uh, young cat named Colby, who's the minister at this new place. Okay. And Saturday was like his service of like officially, I guess, officiating him as a minister of that place. Nice. And uh, uh, then we did a Sunday service. And that's been a cool gig in the sense that like, uh, did you grow up Catholic? No, I grew up. The opposite end, <laughs> Baptist. Okay, I, I'm careful so, when I say it because I'm like, man, we've done a lot of bad things as Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, Catholics aren't free from sin either. Oh yeah. Apparently. <laughs> uh, but but uh, no, the I, I couldn't tell you what quite what this the denomination of this church is. Uh, what I can say for sure is like I, I i am a minority in the church that between me and the other guitar player is a cat named poncho oh nice and uh, me him and one other guy that's in the choir are the only hispanics in a church full of black folk nice and being raised catholic especially like i played in in the catholic church choir like it was you know some guitars and i think that's why i kind of learned how to read chord symbols and stuff like that. But like the music was just always sad. Yeah. And, Different and, vibe. Huh? <laughs> uh, and uh, dude, abs- I mean, uh, m- minor keys and repentance. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's all it was. And then the first time I ever heard a Pickery third was some song that we played that was minor. And then just went to like, if it was F sharp minor, went to F sharp major at the very end little, as little this pepper. <laughs> and, and I, I, from, from that point on, like, I always felt like 
that describe like the Picardy third more than anything describes the Catholic faith to a T in that like there's just that little half step of hope. <laughs> but but uh you know, playing in, in predominantly black churches, gospel churches, however you want to look at it, like uh I never felt this way in the Catholic church, but I was in a, a gospel group uh where I got to play a gig with uh a friend of mine named LD and he was doing a CD release and his grandma, this little old unassuming woman, came and she sang she sang on a track called uh what was the name of that song? Uh I can't remember the name right now, but his grandma's LD was a great singer. His grandma was absolutely something else. And and the moment I heard her voice, I loved her. Like nice. just on the recording. And then when I got to do the gig with her and watch this unassuming little old lady get up, dude, and just tear like her voice was 50 times the size of her frame. She was such a small person. It's <laughs> uh, awesome. But she did some sort of like spiritual song with the uh this cat. Uh, I can't remember his name right now, but he's a killer organist that was part of the band. And it was just the two of them, him playing organ, her singing. And there was an instance where she sang and hit some note. And dude, I was bawling like a child. I was crying so hard hearing this woman sing. And I've never been moved like that at a Catholic service. I'm not saying that I'm not trying to discredit it as a faith, but like in, in playing with this new church and being around, a group of individuals that just make really exciting music. Yeah. Whether or not like my faith is any more or less than theirs. It's just, I've, I've never had anything, but I've never had anything, but, but good feelings and good. Uh, I, I've just, I've, I've, I've always had good experiences with, with black churches despite the fact that I'm clearly a minority yeah, 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 and, and, and just showing up and being me and playing guitar and like, you know, it's, it's always been very encouraging. And like this past weekend that they, they, at this particular church will feed you as much food as you think you could handle. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and, and this past Sunday was soul food Sunday. Yeah. So there was barbecue chicken, there was meatloaf, there was some stewed greens, uh, some bread and some other stuff, dude. And wow. like when I was eating into the barbecue chicken, I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like somebody actually barbecued this. Like they didn't just put it in an oven. Like <laughs> you could taste th- the smoke and the chicken, dude. And like that, like everybody's just so cool. And so like it, it feels very welcoming. Yeah. Very and, genuine. Yeah. And, and, and the musicianship on top of that, dude, like, People that are playing keys will go get on the drums and then get behind the bass and just keep switching off instruments. And then everybody sings on top of that. And it's like, what the hell did I do with my life? <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's definitely very uplifting, but it's also very just like, it, it makes, it makes me want to be a better player because a lot of that stuff has so many just random runs and hits and fills and and it's not easy (laughs) well dude i'm getting the i'm getting the signal that the batteries are batteries are running out but we gotta do this again maybe season two 
whatever, dude. Just say the word. <laughs> Where can people go to find find you online, like your your stuff? Uh, Nick, all one word. Nick Garcia Music. N I C K G A R C I A M U S I C. Right. Uh, dot com. Okay. Uh, nice. I, there, there's Facebook too, but uh, lately Facebook has been very uh, 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 ne- negative to a point where it's it's less less music and more politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I've done some live stream stuff over over the course of you know the past few months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Uh, um, and those have been cool to a point. Um. But definitely, um, I've got an album of 10 songs that I've been holding on to for dear life now for a long time that uh, I am working on. And I, really, at this point, it's it's just adding a guitar here and there and uh, vocals. Nice. And the album is aptly named for as long as I've been holding on to it, which is called Don't Start What You Can't Finish. <laughs> nice. um, and that'll be done before the end of this year. Nice. So, I mean, that, that'll be another place or, you know, uh, s- certainly the website will be a place to, f- to find that for sure. So nickgarcia.com, check him out. If you get Nick Garcia music, nickgarciamusic.com. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And everything else, Instagram, Facebook, everything else. So hit Nick up, Nick. Thanks so much for being here, man. Like it means the world. It really does. We've been friends for right, thank- 20 years, brother. <laughs> and it's, it's just amazing it's- to do this. It's been, it's been a while, yeah. <laughs> well, man, we'll catch you soon. I, I really do appreciate you being here, guys. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week on the Pandemic Podcast. See you all. Bye, Rome. <laughs>